the book of Acts chapter 10. So who would like to go first tonight? Yes. Yes. Cornelius. Cornelius. I know. I, it's, it's just. It's the. It's, it's, the, it's, it's all right. It's we we want to get it right, you know. Cornelius. Yeah, he was a wealthy man. Yeah. He talks about the servants that he had. Right. Like he waited for Simon Peter. Right. So that, and you know, he waited patiently. Praise the Lord. It's good. Brother Norbert. You know, I, I read this a, a couple of times, man, over and over. And, and the more I read it, and I, I got this little CD that has the Acts, like 1 through 14. So I was listening and reading it. And, and um, you know, this man, you know, he um, he was just God fearing. You know, he, that's all he was in the beginning. He was just God fearing. You know, and he was uh, he did a lot of good things and stuff. And then, you know, when this angel comes to him and tells him, you know, to, to send for Peter, you know, and then um, Peter, Peter's also, you know, having his own situation where he's going through where he's getting ready to. Because this man knows that something's going to happen, that there's going to be a change. But when, um, when I kept on reading it, you know, and I see that, you know, I could vision, like, I was, like, sitting there with them. You know, and they were, their, their mouths must have been open wide. And, you know, they were, like, saying, wow, you know, what, what? You know, we've been, well, this is what we're waiting for. And then, I mean, when the Holy Spirit hit them, you know, um, I could sense that when I started, when I ended, you know, when I was reading it at the end of today, at the end of the day and whatnot, I started to feel that, you know, how, how they must have been amazed because this man was only God-fearing, you know, he wasn't, um, um, it doesn't say that he was Holy Spirit-led or none of that stuff, you know, and he was looking for that, you know, and um, he was, you know, he was lower a Gentile, right, am I right? Yeah. And, um, him being a Gentile, you know, Peter is gets this revelation where he can read, he can speak to them, you know, and and um, you know where he was not allowed to do that. So the revelation and the the him calling, you know, him seeing the angel and the angel telling him to come, you know, it, it touched me a lot because you know he he spoke to all these people and all these people were filled with the Holy Spirit and they changed, they gave their lives to Christ there. Because they weren't Christians, right. am I right? You're right, 100. Yeah. That's what I got from it, you right? Know? And I was filled with that, man. But I could just like imagine all of them with their mouth open because he's explaining all this stuff that has happened, and that this is their gift that they can have this, and they all accepted Christ, you know. And that's what I got from it. Uh, what, my question was that when. Uh,
when he went up, when, when he was upstairs and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and told him to come downstairs, he asked them, them what, what did they want you know because the Holy Spirit told them to go you know I mean it was okay for him to ask because I mean you know All right well I mean we got we, we, we got we got to think about what the you know what the Holy Spirit said to Peter um, if you look at verse 19 it is where is where the Holy Spirit speaks to him and it says while Peter thought about the vision the spirit said to him behold, Three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And so that's all the Holy Spirit told them. You know, the Holy Spirit just said, go with them, you know, don't doubt anything. And so all Peter is doing is he's clarifying, you know, what, why, why are you here? You know, he wants to know, you know, what's going on. You know, you got to think about, you know, Peter's situation. I mean, this guy just had this, you know borderline disagreement with the with the spirit of god you know about food and stuff like that and then you know the spirit of god is saying okay go with these people don't doubt anything so he's not doubting he's just trying to find out okay what's the mission because god hadn't given him the you know the full picture yet of what was going on and i think that gives us a good understanding that you know sometimes the lord is going to give us you know this much information and we go with that you know and then we can ask those clarifying questions you know what was you know what do you, what do you need me to do and you know you'll see we'll see later on that he does the same thing later so is there anything wrong with him asking that question not at all as long as he wasn't saying i'm not going if he would have said i'm not going then that's a different scenario but he didn't do that so he's good next about 
follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But that, you know, that's 419. But for me, the best verse in there is 20. They immediately left their nets and followed him. I mean, you know what I mean? This guy just comes, you know, say, come, you know, make you fishers of men. And they just get up and go. Right. So it just goes to show you, you know, just how, how obedient he was, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's really powerful. All, all this here is just, it's cool. That's what, that's what impacted me, man. It's deep. Amen. It is. Brother Jamik, you had something? Um, this is kind of, sorry, this is kind of tagged around to what I heard Ralph was saying. Um, I, I like this chapter too because I guess this is like a part of our hope because uh, the chapter, not chapter, verse 12, said in all kind of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, the birds of the air. Um, if we go back to Exodus and Leviticus, when it talks about the dietary laws of the Jews, we understand that we could, there were certain things that they couldn't eat. And that's how Peter said that I've never eaten anything uncommon. But God is just showing them, like everybody's been saying, that you know, I'm preparing you for something else. You know, when, they, when these Gentiles come to you, don't look at them saying they're not worthy of, of God's grace and God's mercy and God's you know, understanding. So he's like, you know, like everybody said, they, he's opening up this thing for the Gentiles. And this is our hope because we are we are part of that Gentile nation. We, we're born again. But um, this is, that's all I like about this. Amen. It's good. And tying into that, mine was the same one, but God has plans we must not call common. And it brings me to current day with forgiveness. And once God has cleansed you of everything, who are we to still hold on to what someone has done in the past? Wow. That that's is good. So that's how it impacted me personally and just in reading this. That's good. Very good. It's just a grace. Also Peter went to Cornelius. Cornelius was a gentleman. 
Good. Jimmy, did you have something else? I just wanted to add to that. It, it just kind of reminds you of Jonah. When God told him to go to Nineveh, he didn't want yeah. to go because he knew God was going to forgive him. And he didn't think they were worthy of forgiveness. God kill him. We don't, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's just, that's the way it is sometimes. You know, I had a guy, man, that I was, uh, when I was in college, that, um, I didn't like him. I was saved now. Right. I had been saved for two or three years, and he stayed across the, <laughs> you know, across the, the way from me. <laughs> And I couldn't stand this guy. I was in service one day, and um, for some reason, like all doing service, God said, You need to go talk to my servant, go talk to my servant. And I didn't want to go. So I was like, Man, you don't need to be saved, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I did it, though. Right. I don't know if he got saved, but I wouldn't talk to him, though. Right? That's good. <laughs> I like I, I, I like what Sister Grace was saying, and it, it reminded me of a conversation I had with someone earlier in the week. You know, trying to witness and, you know, do what we're supposed to do, finding out the background history of this person. And, you know, this person, you know, seven-day Adventist, but, you know, they're just kind of like, you know, they're not real strict seven-day Adventist scenario. And so they, you know, they asked me, so, you know, what, you know, what's your background? And so, you know, I told them, um, I said, well, you know, my mother was going to a Pentecostal church. As soon as I said the word Pentecost, she was like, mm. <laughs> and she knows that, you know, I, you know, that I, I'm a bishop of a non-denominational church. And, um, and so it was just funny just, you know, to hear the immediate, you know, response. You know, it's like she must have been hearing some bad stuff about, you know, Pentecostals, man. And, you know, the truth is that there are those things, you know, it's not today. I don't think that it's so much with the Levitical law. It's more with the doctrines of particular denominations, you know, the dogma that people are taught and they're raised up in these, you know, in, in these particular belief systems. And then what ends up happening is when you indoctrinate someone so much with a certain doctrine, you know, dogma that, you know, is, is, is the, the teachings of men, you know, which they derive from the scriptures. But this is just my spin on it. What happens is without, you know, without us, and I say us because we're the leaders, without us realizing it, what we end up doing is we end up, you know, impregnating these people with a prejudice that is there. And then when you get out there and you'll see it, rather than there being unity within the body of Christ, and when you see somebody who believes in the same Jesus you believe in, right away, you know, well, what, what church do you go to? And we got to ask all of these, you know, clarifying questions. And it's not enough, you know, if someone says they're a Baptist or if someone says they're a Pentecostal, you know what? Why can't we just embrace each other? That doesn't mean I got to go speak in tongues if, you know, if I happen to be of the persuasion that I don't believe, you know, in that stuff and vice versa. 
I shouldn't be, you know, so, you know, so immature that I can't be around, you know, someone who is more emotional, you know, or more expressive, should I say, in their worship of God. But the truth is that that happens all the time, you know, and nowadays, you know, we have those mindsets and it's obviously not the plan of God because right here we see that God is already, what he's doing is he is breaking out, he is breaking down that middle wall of separation that the Apostle Paul later talks about. You know, he talks about, I believe it's in the book of Galatians probably, and he speaks about us or maybe Ephesians and, he, and, and you know, he's talking to the church and he's saying you, you were alienated you know you were outside of the covenants of Israel you had you know no hope and no God you were you were Gentiles but Christ came and tore down this wall of separation and it's amazing if you really think about this and how sad this is how Christ went through such lengths in order to tear down the walls of division and how men in 2000 years have done such a great job of building up our own walls to just divide each other and make things more difficult. It's sad and it gives us so much to pray for because the reality is that Jesus said it clearly when he was praying. He said, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one that the world will know that you sent me. And if we want to know why it is that the world has such a problem receiving Christ, I can give you the answer. It's because there is so much division among Christians. It's not because of all of these different religions. It is because there is so much divisions among Christians and Christianity and the people who are saved by the same grace, saved by the same Savior and who are sincere, but they hold on to these dogmas. They hold on to these traditions of men and they allow these divisions to be there. And I say they, and I can say we, you know, many times we allow those things to be there. But if we were just major on this word here, we would all walk in that unity and we would see God do what he wants to doing the earth. So we have a, a great job ahead of us. Hallelujah. To look at these things. Anybody else want to add anything before I go on ahead from the top? Yes, we got two. Um, Sister Pamela first and then Brother Norbert. The number three, the number three is, is, um, is a number that symbolizes perfection because the Trinity, perfection. Um, and so, and, and then it also is, is, is a number of witness because let every word be established by two or three witnesses. And so it's a word of witness, you know, perfection in that, in that witness. So that's what that would be. Okay. Okay, you mean that why why the angel couldn't give the message to Cornelius? Yeah. Okay, because it is our responsibility to share the gospel. There's only one place, and it's in the book of Revelation, where it talks about angels ever doing anything, and that's way in this tribulation period. But during this time, it is not the angel's responsibility to share that good news of the gospel. It's our responsibility. So it would have to be that. Go ahead, Pastor. Uh, I was going to say that um, Paul, uh, speaking of the gospel, says, if I or an angel preach another gospel, let him be accursed. And the reason why he said that was, first of all, he knew that he wasn't going to preach 
another gospel. And secondly, that it wasn't the angel's responsibility. An angel will never preach the gospel to you. So that would never happen. There would never be another gospel that was going to be preached. That's why I use an angel because an, or for the example, because an angel will never preach the gospel to you. That, that responsibility was not given to them. That was given to us with us bearing our cross. And, and, and the other thing, too, we got to remember is with this, this whole thing goes back to what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, you know, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And he gives him the keys to the kingdom. And what he's doing is he's saying, listen, you are the one who I'm going to utilize to bring the gospel message, the, the revelation of Christ. I'm going to use you to bring this to the Gentiles. So he used Peter, you know, to bring that, you know, revelation forward in the upper room, you know, after the upper room experience, you know, with the day of Pentecost, bringing it to the Jews, to the Samaritans. And now this third time that he's going to bring the gospel message to the Gentiles. And then you're going to see that Peter's going to kind of disappear in the rest of the, in the rest of the book of Acts, because he's done his foundational work in this. And then now the apostle Paul will pick up, um, brother Norbert. I, I just, you know, you know, what I was praying for earlier, I mean, this man, Cornelius, was like a God, you know, it says he was a God-fearing man. And, you know, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives. That's on verse 24, when they arrived, when Peter arrived. Right. And um, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So, you know, his family got saved. Right. All of those people that were there was his family and his friends. Right. So, that's amazing. Amen. Well, one of the things that that go ahead, Angel. Um, um, sister's question. There was a purpose there. Everything that God does, there is a purpose. There was a to me, there was a purpose for Peter to deliver the message to Cornelius. So now you got Gentiles and Jews together. There's a unity coming in. There. All right. Amen. All right. Here we go. Chapter 10, verse 1, it says, There was a certain man in, in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion who was called the Italian, the, the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel, and, and when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here we have this situation that is occurring here happens about 10 years into the church being alive. So the church is about 10 years old, around 10 years, um, the church has been there, and it's kind of weird, you know, why is it that it takes 10 years for the gospel to go to the Gentiles? You know, didn't Jesus say clearly that you were going to go and, you know, be my witnesses, and they had already done it in Judea, and Jerusalem, and Samaria? Why weren't they going into all the world? Well, everything is done in the right timing. And we have this man by the name of Cornelius, who is a very important person in all of this. And the first thing, that, and, and I love what Norbert was pointing out, was he said that when the, the, um, the, 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 the apostle was going to come, 
to bring forth this message, what happens is he goes and gathers all of his friends, all of his family, and, and, and brings everybody together. So the first thing we realize here about him is that the scripture says that in verse 2 it says he was a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household. This was a guy that he wasn't just keeping his religion to himself, okay? This was a guy that he was a Gentile, meaning that he was uncircumcised, he was not part of the Jewish nation, he wasn't a proselyte, which a proselyte was a person who was circumcised and who became a Jew in all of the sense. But what Cornelius was, he was there and he was one of these, you know, leaders within the whole Italian regiment, had about a hundred guys that were under him. So he's this leader and he, and he was, you know, he knew all of the false religion of the Roman Empire. He knew all of that. And yet he was still wanting to know the truth. And so him watching the Jewish people in their worship, he saw something that was right there. So what does he do? He goes and he gets connected to that. And so he becomes this man that is devout and God fearing. So he feared God and he feared the true God because he was serving and he was doing all of these things that he needed to do in order to, you know, comply with the certain things that were required of him. He didn't, like I said, he didn't get circumcised, but he was, you know, given to all of these things. He was a giver and all of this wonderful stuff that he demonstrates. What I want to point out is that this guy was devout and he was God fearing and he is a great example for every one of us here. And why do I say that? Because he was devout. He was God-fearing. He gave to the poor. In other words, he was doing all of that good work and all of those good things. And he still needed salvation. This is so, so vitally important for us to understand that God gives us all the answers. You know, all of those people that you talk to that say, well, I'm a good person. I don't do anything wrong. I give to the poor. I don't do, you know, those people, you can point them to Cornelius and say, you know what? Cornelius is better than you. Cornelius did more than you could ever do. Cornelius didn't just have a witness from himself. Cornelius didn't just have a witness from a couple of, from a couple of people. Cornelius had a witness from the entire Italian regiment. Cornelius had a witness from the entire Jewish nation. Cornelius had a witness that he was devoted. He was a pious man. He was God-fearing. He has a witness, as a matter of fact, more important than the Italian nation, than the Italian regiment, than the Jewish nation, than anybody else. You know what? He's got a witness from the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says what? That all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So you know what that means? You know how the Bible says that Job was perfect in his days and he feared God and shunned evil? You know how the Bible says that? And we all know, well, that means that that's for real. Well, guess what? God inspired Luke to write this down. So God is giving witness and saying, this guy feared me. This guy was a good guy. This guy was great. And yet, if he would have died, mm -hmm. he still needed an encounter with Jesus. He still needed salvation. And so we have him who was there, this devoted, his family. I mean, he's got his family in check. He's a true, you know, he, he's a true, sincere-hearted person who fears the Lord, and yet he still needs salvation. He still needs to bow his heart and submit his life to Christ. So he has this revelation. The angel comes to him and communicates with him and says, you know what, your prayers, I've, I've been hearing, you know, God has been hearing you pray. And God has also seen that you've not just been praying, but your works have followed because your almsgiving, all of your giving to the poor and those things, you, all of that stuff has risen before me and it all counts before me. But now I want to bring you across this line. And I'm not just going to bring you across the line. I'm not just going to bring your family across the line, but I'm going to use you to literally bring the, the, the door open for the entire Gentile nation to be saved. And, and, and now we're going we're gonna to see a move of God that's going to begin to manifest greatly 
through the Apostle Paul. So we continue on reading and we see what he does. Immediately, he, he, he goes and he, the vision is over. He doesn't wait later, you know, and sit there and think about it. He goes and tells his people, okay, listen, guys, I need a few of you to go over here to go get Simon. So God gives him this vision. He has this wonderful vision. Then the next day, now mind you, it, God doesn't give Peter this vision the day before. The next day, these guys are on their way. They're probably up the street, glory to God. And God gives him this vision. So let's see what happens. It says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. So here, we notice that Peter is not sitting down and, you know, playing no games or anything while they're cooking dinner. But what is Peter doing? Peter's being a man of God, and he's going into prayer, a prayer time. So he goes in to pray, and something, something funny happens. He gets hungry. You notice this. He's praying, and all of a sudden, he gets hungry. Now... I point this out because as I was reading this, I said, how many of us have gone to pray and gotten hungry and walked out of our prayer closet because we had to deal with our hunger? Or let's not even be hungry. We let the phone ring, and instead of just letting the phone ring and the answer machine pick it up, we went ahead and answered the phone and ended up getting out of this communion with God. And we, well, and, and in essence, when you get hungry, that's your flesh, right? Your flesh is hungering. And so I thought about how many of us sit there and we allow our flesh to pull us out of the place of consecration. Now, here's the problem here. What would have happened if Peter would have went ahead and said, man, I'm hungry. I'm going to have to go downstairs and get a piece of celery. What would have happened? Well, he wouldn't have fallen into this trance, okay? He wouldn't have had this vision from God. None of that would have happened. Well, you know, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to go ahead and see what they're cooking up in the kitchen. If he would have done that, he would have missed the revelation from God. Am I not right? He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have received the information that was vital to the next thing that he had to do. He would have missed that opportunity. And so how do we apply this? Well, first of all, when we separate ourselves and our time, that is God's time. Let the phone ring. Look, go to the answer machine. Turn that junk on low so you can't even hear the message they're leaving. Turn your phone. Don't even turn on vibrate. Turn it off, glory to God, so you're not tempted. Remove everything that is going to interfere to ensure what? That you do not miss God. Because I guarantee you guys that we have been in plenty of moments that we were right there to getting a revelation from God and our flesh got in the way. We got up to feed our flesh, to deal with our flesh, and we missed something that God wanted to do. Oh, what does that mean? That God can't speak to us? No, he's going to communicate it to us. But I can guarantee you that we miss stuff at vital moments because we're not allowing ourselves to do what? To kill our flesh. So what does he do? Kills his flesh, stays up in the, in, in the place of prayer, gets the revelation from God, and then here's the beauty of it. What does God do? God gives him a picture of food. He's hungry in the, in the natural, and God gives him, he, he says, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to tell you, you know, Peter, kill and eat. So he uses that hunger to, to, to make, a, you know, an impression on Peter's life. And what I love about Peter is that you see this guy does not change. 
He is arguing with the Holy Ghost. What is he saying? He says, not so, Lord. It doesn't make no sense. It's like a contradiction. You can't say no. You can say no or you can say Lord. You can't say no, Lord, because what you're saying is no to the one that I'm obeying. You're, you're, you're contradicting. <laughs> this is what he's doing. So he's saying, no, Lord. Wait, what? that don't make sense. But he is just being Peter, being like he always is. And he's like, hold on a second. I'm holy. Wait, wait, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Holy One. And this guy still goes on and just goes to show us that even though he got the Holy Ghost filling him and he's great, he's still got issues just like all of us. He still has those, you know, things. So he, he goes and gets to a little debate with the Lord and is like, not so, God. I, you know, I, I want to be holy because he's like, is God tempting me or something like that? And so what is God doing? He's simply showing him, look, man, you know. Don't call what I call clean, unclean. And what he's, what, he, what he's showing him, he's saying, listen, Jews and Gentiles alike are all unclean apart from me. They're all unclean apart from my salvation. My salvation is what cleanses. So he goes, he's good, so you get the, the vision is done. Everything happens those three times. Verse 17 goes on to say, now, while Peter wondered within himself what this, what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied them. So now notice, I just want to point out at the end there, Peter doesn't go alone. Peter goes and brings some witnesses with him. He doesn't, he doesn't go by himself because he's going into a place that is Gentile filled and so there needs to be some witnesses there. Peter knows already that this is God because God has already confirmed to him, listen, I'm going to do something, but I, you know, I need you to go with them. Don't doubt anything. Just follow the direction. And so Peter is starting to understand, you know, okay, God is, you know, bringing me over here for a reason. He's giving me this vision and it's not about, you know, food. That wasn't the whole point. I want to point that out as well because a lot of people will try to take this and, you know, say, well, this is a, this has to do with, this, this, this has got nothing to do with food here. That's not what God is trying to communicate with Peter. He's trying to communicate with Peter about not, you know, being so judgmental or so critical. And we know that Peter was a bigot. We know that he was that way because the book of Galatians clearly says that the apostle Paul is talking and he's saying how he had to rebuke Peter. He said, look, you know, Peter was over here with the Gentiles and he was sitting down eating with them and everything was cool. And then when the Jewish Christians came, Peter was like, I can't eat with y'all no more. That's how Peter was. And this is, I mean, this is the way that Peter was, you know, and, and it was just because, you know, he had his ways and, you know, he didn't want to be offensive and whatever the case was. And Paul was like, whatever, man, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees and I'm going to sit down with them next to their ham sandwiches and next to all of their, you know, pig's feet and all that good stuff that they eating right up in here. I'm going to sit with them and I'm going to be fine because I understand these, you know, these other principles. So God is speaking to Peter here. Peter brings some witnesses with him and they go there. Verse 24. 
more. And it says, in the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful situation here. And those customs, in those days, these people would bow down to those they thought were gods. And so Peter was making it very clear. Listen, don't be bowing down to me. Well, I'm bowing down to the king. We can bow down to him together. But I am just a man just like you. And this is the same heart that we as men and women of God should have today. Don't be letting folks worship you. Don't be letting folks, you know, bow before you and all that kind of stuff. That's not Jesus. Hallelujah. And so it's very important that we look at the example of the apostle here. And he says, as he talked with them. He went in and found many who had come together. And it's so awesome because this guy, Cornelius, even before he's saved, he's already evangelizing. Even before he is he is delivered of his sins totally, he is out there gathering the folks, bringing in a congregation for Peter to come and preach this message to. And then in verse 28 it says, Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Again, right here, we see clearly what this vision was about. It didn't have to do with food. It had to do with men. That's what Jesus, that, that's what um, the Spirit of God was trying to deal with him. He says, um, verse 28, say, uh, 29, I'm sorry. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I ask then, for what reason have you sent for me? Because still, he doesn't have clarity. You know, you would think that he would just go in there and just bust out a full gospel presentation. That's, that's, that's what we would think would happen. But he doesn't do that because you know what? He wants to know what they know. And you know what? This is great for preachers. He's learning what they learn. He's getting to know who he's speaking to so he knows what he has to cover. So he knows, do I need to go from the book of Genesis or can I just start right here in Malachi where do I need to come from in my presentation to you what is it exactly that I'm supposed to be sharing with you in this whole message because you guys are not new to this area you guys been around here y'all y'all are gonna and we're gonna see the message that he preaches you know so he was trying to communicate find out exactly what it was so in verse 30 it says so Cornelius said four days ago I was fasting until this hour which throws us another thing of what Cornelius was doing this guy was not just giving this guy was not just God-fearing, he wasn't just devoted, but this guy was in a fast, and he was seeking the face of the Lord. Until this hour, at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and that man is an angel, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God now this is the ideal congregation hallelujah they come ready to hear the word and do what the word says. They're not coming to be tripping and, 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 and measuring every single word that is coming out of the preacher's mouth. No, they are there before God. They want to hear from God. And they are ready to run this race. They are ready to do what God has said to do. Ideal, wonderful situation. And so the apostle goes and he communicates. Verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. 
But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, righteousness is accepted by him. I want to pause because it's very important that we do not misconstrue what is being said here. Many people will use the scripture to say, well, all you got to do is those two things there. You just need to fear God and work righteousness and you're accepted by him. First of all, I want you to notice the word that is used. It says every nation. It does not say every religion. This is very important because you got you to put that in there because if you're going to say that you could just be whatever religion, that's not what God was saying through the Apostle Peter. He was saying every nation. And, he, and what he's communicating is that these people are accepted, not in the sense that they're just going to be saved, but that God is looking at them the same way he was looking at Cornelius. And he was seeing his righteousness. He was seeing his fear of him. And you know what he was? It was very simple. He was a person who was seeking the truth. And when there is a person who is truly seeking the truth, who is really seeking Seeking the truth of God and really wants to know God, then what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. So when you have a lost person that is seeking truth and you have a savior who is seeking the lost, you know what's going to happen? They're going to meet. And so what we've got to realize is that this scripture, don't let anybody confuse you. He says in every nation, what, he, what he's saying is that wall of separation, that the Jews are the chosen people alone. He's saying that wall is coming down. God is saying the people of every nation, if they fear you and they're doing works of righteousness, they're accepted. And so they are going to have the, the opportunity to receive salvation. Verse 36, it says the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ he is Lord of all that word you know and so he knows that they know this word and, and he goes on to explain to them why which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached and so these people were alive this is only 10 years after Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit has come these people were around they heard about all that you know they heard all the all the all the commotion they heard about these preaching so they know that verse 38 goes on to say how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. It's important that when God is with us that we are doing good and that we are bringing deliverance to those who need that deliverance that so we're not just walking around talking about how powerful and great that we are. Verse 39 and he says and we are witnesses of all these things which he both did which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree him God raised on the third day and showed him openly not to all people but to witnesses chosen before by God even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead notice when Jesus was resurrected God didn't want to show him to everybody he chose certain people about 500 that were going to see him because he didn't need to go and be rejected twice he didn't need to go through all of that again he needed to be seen by these people and so those are the ones whom God let him let, let, let him be seen by and then verse 4 42 says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the pro prophets witness this, that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And so again, we have a condensed version of this gospel presentation telling him, you know, you know who Jesus was. You know, all of the things that were preached, you know, of all the things that he did. And so all of the prophets, every prophecy that you are believing or that you've heard about, they all pointed to one thing, and that's this wonderful salvation. And then the last portion of our text here is when we see 
While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then they asked him to stay a few days. It is a beautiful situation that occurs here because what happens is Peter is preaching this word to people who are hearing. Now we gotta know, we gotta look at this in context, okay, of what happened. He is preaching the word to these people who have not heard this gospel presentation yet. They're hearing it for the first time, they're being receptive, they're open to it, and it shows us what an open heart produces. They're receiving this word, and the Bible says that in the middle of him speaking, that the Holy Spirit interrupts him and fills all of these people with the Holy Ghost. What is he doing? He's giving a witness to all of these other Jewish people that are there that this these people right here are just as accepted as you are. That's what he's telling them. He's saying they are just as accepted as you are. And so now we have this um, this interruption that occurs. Now I want to point out point out something else here. Notice that it was all of the people. Who had not been filled with the Holy Ghost first. They didn't start speaking in tongues. And then all of a sudden these other Jews over here. And these other Christians now started speaking in tongues. That isn't what happened. It wasn't like this chain effect. okay? That just all of a sudden there was this whole craziness that went on. That isn't what happened there. What happens is these people were hearing the gospel message. They received that gospel message. The Holy Spirit falls upon them, gives them that seal of approval that they are accepted the same way as these Jewish people are. And they're witnesses of this. The glory of God manifests. And we have a wonderful time. And now we see the birth and the first steps of the Gentile church coming in. And like I said, as we continue on, we will see the Apostle Paul and his work in ministry. Amen? Amen. All right. Let us stand up and let us pray. You can get your tithes and your offerings ready, please.